The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that's never been camping, but we have talked about it. It's Sifpa. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Fridays or available to download later in your podcast feed. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's trying to steer the conversation to exhibit again. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Every day and always. Ahoy! <laughs> Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He can rewrite existence and shatter timelines. It's John Paula, ladies and gentlemen. Woo! And you are muted, my friend. You are muted. That's, uh, that's my fault. Because I did that. <laughs> in, in a world of probabilities, I chose uh, to screw up right I away. I just thought you were rewriting existence. That's all. I just thought uh, uh, you were... Good re- to be back, though. Thank you for having me on the show. Of course. Of course. We are excited. We've got Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp, Quantumania to chat about today, a uh, new Marvel movie in the works. That's always a fun thing to chat about. And then we wanted to hit up Netflix and uh, take a look at you people getting a little buzz over the last few weeks. Hey, who are you calling you people? That's the, I <laughs> think that is that is where the title comes from, John. That Wait, what, do mean, what do you mean, you people? <laughs> what do you mean, you people? Uh, so we're going to talk about those movies, and we'll do some uh, best ever challenge, best ever hyphenated movies, and of course we'll do some buried treasure at the end as well. Before we get into any of that, a couple of things I want to mention. I may mention it again later. Uh, but as always, we are so thankful for our Sif Pop members. But I wanted to let you guys know, uh, Andrew Ormsby has taken over the Sif Pop pre-show. Um, it's mine and you're never getting it back. <laughs> that's all right. Plenty of Stockholm Syndrome. Plenty of Stockholm Syndrome going around. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, so Andrew has taken that over. So our Sif Pop members who get to hear the members only pre-show each week uh, will get a chance to hear some fun things coming back like Do We Care, Drunk Sif Pop, some things you may uh, know from the show. 
um, are going to be there for our members. So uh, never a better time to uh, support what goes on here at Patreon, patreon.com slash sifpop. The other thing is if you haven't gotten your picks in for Oscars, Sposkers, I should say. You should do that. Uh, just go to the website, sifpop.com, and click where it says Sposkers and make your picks and then tune in live on Oscars night uh, to see what goes on and what happens. Uh, John, we gotta we gotta get you down to Missouri some Oscars. Come hang out with us live. That'd be fun. You should you should uh, you should head that. this way some year. It's not yeah, too far. This year, I, I have four weddings. I'm already flying to this year, so my, my wallet's a bit tight. But don't, next year, probably, yeah. Don't don't add a funeral. Uh, despite what uh, despite <laughs> yeah. what the movies uh, might tell yeah, you, no, I'm okay no, without that. <laughs> do not add a funeral. Uh, all right, so we are uh, we are going to continue to do our Sposkers, so we would love for you to join in again. Let's just go to the website and click on where it says Sposkers. All right, yep. no reason to dilly-dally around. Uh, let's get into the minutia, the tiny details, if you will. Uh-huh. Let's get microscopic on a movie as we talk about Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. People still need help, Dad. That's why we made this like a satellite for deep space but quanta wait wait a minute you're sending a signal down to the quantum realm turn it off now where are we superhero duo scott lang and hope van dyne together with hope's parents hank pym and janet van dyne find themselves exploring the quantum realm interacting with strange new creatures and embarking on an adventure that will push them beyond the limits of what they thought was possible uh ant-man is back paul rudd uh bringing him back to the mcu uh in his movie and of course all the people you, I shouldn't say all the people you know and love, some of the people you know and love from the Ant-Man movies are back with him. It also marks the real, um, I would say, full-fledged, full-throated introduction of the idea of Kang the Conqueror and uh, who that might be in the Marvel Universe. So what did you guys think about Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? Andrew, you're going to kick us off. This movie's getting lambasted online, but I am going to say I liked this movie. All right. Andrew liked it. John? I didn't. Didn't. There is no didn't category. I didn't like it. (laughs) There you go. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I didn't dislike it. Uh, I... I'm, I'm just I'm just gonna be I'm just gonna be right in the middle of a of an Ormsby Ormsby Paula sandwich. I think it was just okay. I I think it was. In fact, I might even say high side of okay. Uh, I, it depends on what I'm in the mood for thinking about. <laughs> this is one this is one of those movies where it's like if I think of it one way, I'm like, yeah, okay. I think that's uh, on the high side. Okay. If I think about it another way, I'm like, uh, I didn't really like that. So there's, there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, I think, and I do think we'll probably do a little bit of Sif spoilage on this, uh, when we're done guys, just because there are a few things, whether it be post credit scenes or whatever that, that we might want to chat about, but in a non spoiler spoilery way, I think there's still lots to, to uh, chat about. Uh, Andrew, you seem to like it the most. Um, so tell us some of the things, uh, you thought about this movie. It's actually my favorite Ant-Man movie of the three. Wow. Wow. That hot take right off the bat. I did not like the first Ant-Man. And uh, I thought the first or the second Ant-Man was meh. 
But this uh, explains so much. This explains a lot. <laughs> this is going to um, be more heated than our avatar chat. <laughs> here's here's why. Uh, I think Buckle I've in. finally come to terms with just not caring about physics when it comes to the Ant-Man movies. It was my least favorite thing about the Ant-Man, the first film, is just the total disregard for any continuity when it came to physics, you know, and it, it, it that really stuck with me. It just irked me. And they kind of turned that up to 11 in the second movie with just how ridiculous it is, but there were some good characters in that one. This one, though... This movie, I think, is, out of all the Ant-Man movies, it feels like it has the most weight. Like, it actually means the most to the actual overarching Marvel Universe. Like, this instance that happened to Ant-Man is, like, significant. Like, when he was fighting a ghost, or in the first one, when he was fighting a yellow jacket... Uh, it, it didn't mean anything for the overarching story, you know. And Ant Man would show up in other movies like Civil War, and he would it help fight at the airport. To me. <laughs> it meant something to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, this is the first time where I've watched an Ant Man movie. I'm like, okay, this one matters. This one's important. So. You know, it's interesting you would say that. I think uh, I would almost argue the same exact truth, but make the opposite point, which is... Yeah, I, I agree, yeah. I think some of the beauty of the Ant-Man movies is that they weren't necessarily over-connected to what was going on in the MCU. Um, and the fact that this one is so concentrated on moving the MCU forward and doing work for the MCU is, I think, a weakness of the film, specifically a weakness of making it an Ant-Man movie. I don't know why this is an Ant- this This could have been anybody else, uh, as far as I'm concerned, but... Um, Maybe that's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's, pre- it's precisely why I didn't. They... They wasted the the biggest sort of unique value add of Ant Man, which is his his size shifting ability. We never once got a sequence where his shrinking or growing was useful in a context that we could actually appreciate. The scene in the second movie where they throw a giant Pez dispenser on the road is awesome. The scene in the first movie where he's running up the barrel of a gun is like, oh, that's such a cool image. We don't get any of that here because he's in some never-never land where size, context, and reality and gravity don't matter. So when he's the size of a building, I'm like, is he the size of a building? Because I don't know if he's standing in front of a building or another. there's, There's no context. There's no frame of reference to any of it. And I was just so very disconnected from, does this matter? Can people even die in the quantum realm? Do they breathe oxygen? How does this work? I don't know. I don't care. That was my whole experience was just <laughs> was just like I really I wanted to I wanted to like it. I wanted to connect to it, but they never gave me anything grounded or anything approaching relatable for two mm. hours. Uh, John, I think you make I think you make a few really good points there, um, and I, I want to circle back to to them uh, at some point. But Andrew, I don't want to cut you short of some of the things you liked about the movie. Um, so uh, go ahead and continue on. So so one of the things you enjoyed was the fact that it really mattered to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's a real MCU um, weight and gravitas to what's going on here, which I agree with. Yeah, yeah, um, it's. It's interesting because it felt like this is the first time that Scott Lang was faced with a task that he had to rise to a challenge 
that I hadn't hadn't seen him do compared to the other MCU heroes. Like I look at Iron Man and I'm like, okay, yeah, Iron Man has taken on an enemy far greater than him and succeeded. You know, every single time I watched an Ant Man movie, it was like he was taking on a uh, an equal. You know, so it wasn't as impressive when he won. Mm-hmm. And I think that in a movie where you have Kang the Conqueror as the main villain. You yeah versus Ant Man. <laughs> I mean yeah, it's it's gonna be you're you're kind of intrigued. Like okay, how is he going to be able to do anything? You know, and that's what kept me intrigued throughout the entire movie. It's yeah. just did the you overall. Get the, did you get the satisfaction that that fight or that billing was uh, fulfilled? No, that they, we had like a good showdown between these that really showed off their powers. Because I don't know that we got that. No, but I will say Jonathan Majors as Kang, I'm all for it. The guy was good. The guy was very good. I uh, I am really looking forward to uh, the different uh, uh, culminations, you know, the Kang. The different variants we're going to get from him. Exactly, yeah, because we've been teased with uh, He Who Remains, you know, which he was in the Loki series. And now we're getting this iteration of Kang the Conqueror, and uh, they've alluded to millions and millions of other, you know, types of variants and stuff. Uh, so, well, I, yes, it's an Ant Man movie, but I also think it's very much a Kang movie. This is Kang's movie instead. It of felt Ant-Man. more like a Kang movie. It did. I think there's, you know, I, I remember when it happened on Loki. I was very excited that they were giving the TV shows a real piece of the pie. Like when, when Ken, you know, when Jonathan Major's first appearance as this character in the MCU happens on a television show, that says yeah. something to me, you know. Um, and uh, I guess in a good way. Yes. Yeah. Okay. No. Like it, it to me, it makes it makes. Um, the cross-pollination from the two platforms, it makes them feel more secure. It makes them feel like they they're, they they really consider saying. them as equals or at least as partners. Um, and so that's good. Uh, I was very much looking forward. He was so good in that scene that I was very much looking forward to seeing him again as the character and seeing uh, what he would do with it. I agree with you. He's astonishing in this movie. I just, like, I'm so glad... We're going to have this characterization and this villain going forward for whatever movies, um, and it's going to be going to be a lot of fun. So I, I really do like Jonathan Majors, and I like what he's doing um, with the character, and I think he he fills the role very very well. So that's that's something that's I think is good in this movie. Nice, John. Do you have any positives for this one? <laughs> Um, that's the thing. I, I, I don't want to say I hated it. And, and I, when I say I dislike it, I think it's just the closest on this particular rating scale. It was just so very forgettable and disposable and meaningless. I thought all the entire time, I just kind of felt like, why are we doing this? And why are we doing it this way? It didn't feel like an Ant-Man movie. It, the stakes don't really matter because everyone who's, who dies will just come back. Everyone that's already died came back in this movie. Uh, and it, it's the kind of thing where, uh, I just, I don't know why I should care about this when when the other two Ant-Man movies, uh, as as Aaron mentioned, um, sort of bucking the trend of the rest of the MCU very specifically went insular and went intimate. They kept their stakes small, pun intended, and they kept the stories really grounded with like, this just affects Scott and his family. The entire second movie 
Nobody dies. It's just about saving Michelle Pfeiffer. That's it. There's no, the world isn't going to stop. Things aren't going to get out of hand and kill everybody. It's just we got to save Hope's mom from the quantum realm. And then the whole movie, they just play keep away with their little suitcase laboratory. And then this movie is, oh, by the way, uh, Scott's daughter is grown up. Uh, 10 years older than she should be, and she's a super scientist, <laughs> and she built a portal of the quantum realm, and also she unleashed, uh, you know, Kang on the multiverse of all... Is, is the quantum realm part of the multiverse, or is it part of our universe? I don't know. That's not explained very well either. But apparently he could get out, or might get out, or might... I don't know. doesn't matter. And then immediately, within the first four minutes of the movie, we're in the quantum realm, a place up until now we've only been described as this, like subliminal void where it looks like a screensaver. There's nothing down there. It's just weird colors and pretty lights. And now there's like a government and they have booze and they have guns and spaceships. And this, has this always been here? Why did nobody mention it? It's, <laughs> it's just very, it, 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 everything just felt kind of like lazy and thrown together. And we never saw Paul Rudd do Ant-Man the way, he had before. He didn't get a chance to really be funny. He didn't get a chance to really oh, he's do. Funny. He's funny, but I don't know. This I, movie's I feel funny. like John. This movie's funny. There's 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 some good humor in this right. movie. This All movie's right. funny, but it's I'll funny in that. inappropriate moments, which <laughs> I don't. I think like. I think sure. maybe a better way to phrase it, it's less funny than the other two. I agree with that. Um, Especially I mean, yeah, since I Michael Pena's not here. I was really just about to say Michael Pena's not here, so it's not as funny. Like, why, take- why couldn't they couldn't they have him somewhere just as a cutaway maybe, or he's up on. Earth and he's just like, hey, where'd you guys go? And he just nothing. Not even I, say love, that. I love that. I, I love uh, Andrew. I love that you were like, so John, was there anything you liked about it? And it's just a list of <laughs> continuing <laughs> flood of things that he, he didn't yeah. like about it. I'm sorry, exactly. I did. I did not. John, what did you question. think of Jonathan Majors? Uh, he was great. Uh, I and I'm yeah. really looking forward to seeing what he can do with whatever character he comes back as, whatever variant they reincorporate. Um, I think he's yeah he's excellent and there's there's something to the, the his really calm uh, delivery and it's really slow and deliberate it's very menacing and it's like oh shoot this guy really could like destroy your entire existence and not even care that is powerful he was great it's and interesting it, uh, to be fair, I think I think everyone was I loved Michael Douglas in this they gave him a lot more to do I felt. And I really enjoyed his character and the stuff he was doing in it. Michelle Pfeiffer had a lot more to do. I thought she did a really good job. Uh, it's just all in service of a movie that I didn't care about, unfortunately. I think it's interesting to see a character who I don't know how I would have, you know, portrayed a character who is removed from time itself. Like, what effect it would have on, have on one's mannerisms, uh, the way their demeanor and everything. And just the way that he's decided to portray Kang, you know, as this insanely calm, patient. He, he, he sounds patient, but he's not. <laughs> like, uh, he, uh, he could be saying things that are incredibly intimidating. Yeah, he's just whispering it to you like he's giving you his uh, order at McDonald's or something, you know, and just that lack of emotion sometimes is, yeah. That's- yeah, no, there's there's a very, like, chilling aspect to his performance that I, I appreciate. And I think the, the best thing I can say about Ant-Man and Quantumania is it, it, it pretty well establishes the stakes for Phase 5 and why I think going forward I might be invested I think as a first episode to a season, 
it's interesting. I think it, it sets out some things pretty well and gets me intrigued. But as this, a standalone Ant Man movie, it just it just fell flat. This was the, f- the first thing I, I messaged uh, to some friends when they asked about what I thought of the movie. Uh, was I said uh, season five episode one of MCU is fine, <laughs> but I'm really excited to see where the season goes. Like I, I think this is going to be a good season of cinema TV, um, and it's really astonishing to me how much the MCU has become like watching a television show. Um, it's for better beca- and worse. For for better and worse, and it's becoming less and less like an anthology even like it's so interconnected sometimes that it really just does feel like a TV show that's, you know, going on to the next episode. Um, I think I, for me, that is the, that not the confusion, but the back and forth I go over with myself about this movie is I like where we're going. I like where this move, the path that this movie is setting us on to. It's just a weird thing on its own for me to try to, figure out uh is it a good movie do i like this movie i i don't know that i do it's okay did did i have a good time yes i think i did but i had a good time because it's mcu everything about me enjoying it is like because i have the history with it because i'm excited about where it's going because I have a history with this character. If this was the first Ant-Man movie, I don't know that I'd care as much about Ant-Man as I do. You'd have like, no idea what was going on. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think, John, uh, you mentioned what I believe to be, have mentioned in your litany of things you've mentioned that you don't like. <laughs> I can't help one, myself. <laughs> one of them that I wanted to circle back to, I think, is my least favorite thing about the movie. It is, and it's the setting. And when you take it out of a world we know you completely neuter yeah. Ant-Man's powers. You completely yeah. neuter our ability to Appreciate. A, understand what's happening. So it's very confusing because we have no point of reference for this world. So we don't have a toy train. We don't have the Pez Dispit. We don't understand. The, the, the toy train is like one of the best sequences in, in any of the movies in that phase. Phase four, I think it was. Uh, I love that sequence where they just cut to a wide shot and the Thomas just the little mm-hmm. train falls over with a small sound effect and it's like oh that's brilliant. We, we don't get have any nothing of that. even close to that here. No, and and so you you neuter what makes these movies fun, like what makes these this particular franchise. If you take the franchise within the universe, what makes this particular franchise fun is completely neutered, right? You also take us away from all the auxiliary characters that we know who are connected to the family. And the most fun I had Ant-Man wise in this movie were the bookends in the real yeah. world, you know, in the, the um, you know, reading the memoir I thought was really fun. And, you know, the stuff well, they that felt happened- like two different movies at that point. That's like what this. I'm saying, and yeah. I'm saying I for this franchise enjoyed the the bookend uh, movies. But there's no way to introduce a character like Kang in a movie like the one you're describing, where it's right. Like, so maybe they should. That's shouldn't my have. point. 
That is this, absolutely this should have been, my point. This should have been a Doctor Strange movie, or maybe this should have been Thor. You know Love what? It should, it should have been a Guardians movie, if I'm being honest. And I know it was never going to work out that way, but this has a very Guardians feel to it. It's a worlds we don't know, aliens. You know, this. By the way, one of the other things I wanted to talk about um, this this movie re- wears its references right on its sleeve. Like I, I feel like there's this movie was so Star Wars at time. Uh, at times, oh, that it yeah. was it was silly. Oh, they, they like, went they went straight for the Moss Eisley Cantina. They're like, oh, what if we what if we have a bar and there's broccoli heads and drinks and it's like, okay, yeah. So so I so like you know if you're going with that idea of exploring new you know creatures and those kind of things, if you're going cell wars or whatever you want to call it, then then that's that's what guardian the guardians do. Like this is like I don't know that you could have picked. A worse character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe to put in this situation. And right, because I think part of Paul Rudd's appeal and as Ant-Man was he was just the everyday dad. His yes. entire his entire characterization was I just want to be a better dad. That was it. He wasn't trying to save the world. He didn't want to get mixed up with everything. He just wanted to get out of jail. And raise his kids. And that's what made him, I think, a more interesting, more relatable hero, is because he's not Captain America. He's not Iron Man. He's not on the brink of uh, you know some multi-demersal uh, war. He just wanted to go home. And this movie, the whole time, they're just trying to go home back to that. But it, it just felt so disconnected from what we like from him as a character that, yeah, I don't know. I completely agree with what, what you were saying there. And it's, he's probably the worst character to pick for this. And but it's the I, I really think he is. Like- Wild, I think he's the best character to pick for this. <laughs> Everything you guys are saying are the things that I love. Here's why I think he's the best character to pick for this, Aaron. Okay, you're going to have to explain giving- because you're going to contradict yourself. Because you've literally said you don't like the first two Ant-Man movies. So, like- No, but I like him for this movie. Okay, explain. Like, Okay, so you say... He- out of all the heroes in the MCU to introduce Kang with, that Ant-Man was the wrong one to do it, right? That's what you said? I said of all the characters in the MCU to put in this movie with this way to introduce Kang, yes. Kang, yes. I think it's the best because if you were to have Doctor Strange or Thor or any of you know the big hitters, you know, the challenge wouldn't seem as significant. You well, know, then you've messed if, up your villain. If the challenge doesn't seem significant, that's a Kang problem, not a... No, that's not a Kang problem. problem. That's an MCU problem of us continuously seeing these heroes win over and over and over and over again. So the only way to raise those stakes are to have a character like Kang that is so high that you once again start to question the abilities of these heroes to take on this character. Right. But you're, but so you're saying that they wouldn't be able to do that with the other characters? I don't think it would be as as significant. Like if this was a Thor movie and we were introduced to Kang, well, there, were, there was if actually, we, there was literally a line where Kang mentions having defeated a, another version of Thor. Yes, that is my point. Okay, yes, perfect. So okay, why, so why, let's why take didn't we that. get that movie? Why didn't we get to watch the one where he defeats Thor? That would have been a good movie. No, but, oh, oh, <laughs> I, I, I wish I could explain this better. The, that scene where he says that there was a he killed a variant of Thor. Mm-hmm. We know how strong and powerful Thor is compared to Ant Man. It's a, a human to an ant. You know, it's like they are nowhere near on the same power level. These two. Sure. So when you hear Kang say that he has killed. Thor in like a different universe mm-hmm. that raises the intensity and 
tension building in this movie. Like, well, if he killed Thor, how is Ant-Man going to deal with this, you know? And that is what made this movie so exciting for me, is the fact that out of all the heroes they chose, they chose Ant-Man and made it for this movie, not the MCU as a whole, but for this movie, it raised those stakes and it raised the tension for me to great, great I, heights. I, am, I'm in, I understand what you're saying, and I'm inclined to agree with you. And without spoiling, uh, if I can, um, the movie doesn't do what you're describing. It cops out, and that's disappointing. Yes, it does, but it cops out for 10 minutes of the movie. For the rest of it, they were constantly building up that tension, and I was just riding this wave yeah, that turned into I, I a tsunami, like that turned into a hurricane, and I'm like, I feel oh, like that's an important distinction, though. They they well, eventually let's let's be fair. I- Andrew has not said this is the greatest movie ever. That he, you know, that oh, he God, loves no, I just it. Like, it. like he likes it. <laughs> I'm just saying like why it, so. I am I am telling you why it worked for me. That is not a correlation of. Since this movie worked for me, it is the best movie of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Because right. I have huge issues with this movie. For instance, the worst thing the MCU has ever done is in this movie. What's that? Modoc. Oh, yeah, that was. So we haven't gotten to the Modoc of everything, and I knew I, I or Modoc <laughs> uh, of everything. Modoc. I, I, I knew we would get there eventually. Um, <sighs> It's the dumbest thing the MCU's ever done. It is the dumbest I, thing the MCU's you ever you done. Could have, you could have filled a hot air balloon with the amount of air you just exhaled there. It was just, I, just like a huge sigh. You know me. I am a movie optimist. I try to see where the filmmakers are coming from, where, you know, like, I, I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. This the decisions made in the characterization of Modoc or even the his inclusion as it were in this story are some yeah. of the most baffling decisions i've ever encountered i, I thought he was pretty funny but why he's did you hilarious hit? hilarious but, but it, it, nothing about it works for this movie yeah. yeah 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 oh that's a that's a really important distinction i laughed at some of the Modoc stuff, but I was I laughing at how stupid it was. Is Modoc supposed to be funny? Yes, he's a very funny character. Yes. Okay, I think all of that was intentional. I think it. it I think the. I meant, you know, I meant like in the comics, is he's traditionally like a, yeah. a funny character? Okay, yeah. I would assume so, just because I've seen a couple episodes of the TV show and okay. that's. You know. Oh, Patton Oswalt had that. I totally <laughs> forgot that Patton Oswalt did that TV show. So, yeah. so um, that's a good version of Modoc. Actually, there you go. So I, I thought right? he was funny. I thought he was well used. What about it? Did you hate? Because I actually, I seem to be the only one that actually liked Modoc in this. He was one of the only characters. I'm like this, give me more of this guy. He's fun. Okay, this is I so think, it's so bananas. I love it. I think the line for the MCU uh, to cross from you know like silly to stupid is Howard the Duck. You know, yeah, like yeah. when we, we we got the Howard the Duck cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so stupid, but I love it. You know, it's funny. This this was. So utterly past that it was, it was clashing with the tonal tension of this movie, having this character that just takes you out of it. And you're like, why am I watching Beavis and Butthead? And (laughs) okay, here's, you have, I don't know about you guys, but I would say the visuals in this movie, whether they work story wise for you. 
I think you can agree it's a beautiful looking movie. The colors, the vibrancy, yeah. I don't everything looks good. But no, the I thought I thought it was just like a muddy soup. It looked like a bunch of ice cream melted together, just like a brown goop. It didn't. <laughs> oh it man, didn't, it didn't. It didn't. It had no depth or like. I reference. thought some of the creature was, design was cool. I it reminded me a lot of Strange World from earlier this year. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's literally the, it's it's the Strange same World. plot. It's the yeah. same plot as Strange World. There's definitely so, some yeah. individual uh, uh, shots and creatures I like, but I think as a whole, the color palette of this was just like muddy goop. And Interesting. It, it, it that's just, kind of the MCU, though, John. Yeah, like, no, that's yeah. That this is not. I had the exact same problem, perhaps even more so, with Thor: Love and Thunder, and and, and Multiverse of Madness. It, it all just feels like a brown soup. And uh, well, it's this, all muted. This, they just they 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 when they color correct. I don't know. Uh, they have this brown <laughs> particular thing they like to do and it just it, they yeah just, they, it, just, they just go over to the little effects panel and grab muddy soup as a lut and they grab it and they just <laughs> drop it on the whole timeline <laughs> well the point I'm, I'm i was trying to make is i think that the mcu generally has made some of the most you know beautiful like inner like action movies ever like the like you look at infinity war or endgame and just how like ah. Uh, Invoking I would say awe inspiring. I would say, um, yeah, expansive, like those yeah. kind of words. Yeah. And then you look at the CGI creation of Modoc, <laughs> and it looks like he was created in Adobe Photoshop. It's the CGI fair, is so it's bad. Hard, it's hard to f- figure out giant head, tiny limb guy. Like that's not an easy thing to do. But they um, I just don't understand no, why they didn't make his head big. Why did they have to also stretch it. his head? Why did they, yeah, why there's did they just uncanny- make it big? Why was he stretched? I think a, it's a comic book is, thing. A, uh, don't make him MODOK. Actually that's, make that's MODOK. That's my main thing. That's where I was going to go when we got through yeah. this. Was That's, I, that's not I MODOK. <laughs> blew my mind the choice they made about who Modoc is, and I'll just say say it that way. Yeah, That's why? Re- what a really strange, un- unnecessary, and wild choice. So uh, you would have preferred that Modoc was just an entirely new character. Yes. It's a, oh god, yeah, oh yeah, yes, oh. his own character. Yes. See, I I don't know that I disagree with that, but I kind of liked that they were reincorporating some other uh, older history back into this one. I don't know that it makes sense. I was like, oh, it's, it's cool to see this person again. But I, I, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. That none of this ruins. movie makes sense. This is one of the most nonsensical Marvel movies ever made. Is it your <laughs> I mean, least? It's, it's almost it just Thomas Aston's world building. It's just Thomas the first in the chat. Minutes. Is it your worst MCU film? Uh, it, it's yes. going to take more time for me to know for sure. Uh, the John's getting John's giving an affirmative. It is the worst MCU movie. For I, you. I, I looked. I updated my letterbox list last night after I came home from the cinema and. Uh, with a four out of ten rating, it is my my lowest rated MCU. Wow. Which, which again, a four out of ten is still like I, I enjoyed it. It was fun, but I'm immediately going to forget it. I probably won't come back and rewatch it for a long time. Um, and my my next lowest would be the one just before this, uh, Wakanda Forever. I thought was similarly just like a a mash. Oh, of I like, like Wakanda Forever much more broken this, ideas but- and. Maybe I'm just tired of the MCU right now, which well, is such a precipitous fall. Well, this is a point I want to get to. And before, before I go there, because this was my next uh, big talking point that I wanted to talk about. Before I go there, I do want to say one of the things I appreciated about MODOK was it finally gave uh, Sonic the Hedgehog's old teeth something to do. So I really, <laughs> really did uh, appreciate that. Um, so I think one of the hardest things I'm dealing with, I don't think it's Marvel fatigue. I think Marvel has set themselves up 
up for phase five to lack stakes for me. And I think we've talked about this before and it's becoming more and more evident with every movie until whatever happens in secret wars, I'm guessing that resets everything. And we finally have a single timeline, time space, whatever, nothing matters. And I, and I think the kill switch on this literally was multiverse of madness. I think there's the very specific scene in Multiverse of Madness. Um, I'll just, just say the Krasinski scene because I don't think, you know, um, it's too spoiler, spoilery to say it that way. But yeah. um, I think that is the fulcrum point. I think that is the kill switch. I think that moment sent me into a place where I'm just going, oh, no, nothing matters. No, nothing, nothing. nothing actually matters. And the more you talk about Kang and variants and incursions and all this stuff, the more I start to go, oh man, it's getting harder and harder to hold on to like caring. And I like caring, you know? <laughs> what? That's, that's that's exactly that's exactly my biggest fault. And there was a decision that I thought Ant-Man 3 was going to make towards the end. And for a minute I was like, oh, this is kind of ballsy. This this would actually raise the stakes. It would give us some like emotional punch. And then they don't. And then they're like, eh, what if we did this instead? And I was like, oh, my God. You had an opportunity to really try something, to really impress me, and they decided not to do that. And and the 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 thing you said, Aaron, about just nothing matters. Like, absolutely everyone can't die. Everyone's immortal, effectively. And everyone that's already dead has just been brought back. So it's – Well, I, there's nothing. millions of timelines and millions of variants and millions of other universes yeah. and – you know, or infinite, even like it's just it. It just nothing matters. In until I, I, I was, I was saying a second ago too. Is is it's so frustrating? Uh, I don't want to call myself a Marvel fanboy, but I, I, I feel like I am. Uh, Endgame is probably one of my top ten movies ever. I adore that film. The entire Phase Three, or was that Phase? No, that was Phase Three. Uh, just phenomenal. Like so many of those movies are fantastic, and so much of Phase Four and now Phase Five has just been consistently underwhelming. With more, they just go bigger and crazier, but they're losing the heart and they're losing connection with like why we actually care about these characters. They just like just keep throwing them into bigger situations. Okay, but is there anything at risk here? Is like, is there any reason for us to care about what happens to Paul Rudd if he's the size of six buildings? And I don't even know if that is a building. Does it matter if he loses this fight? Does it? Does he wins this fight? Does that matter? Yeah. Like it's. I, I, and I'm so disappointed because I wanted to really, really love this movie. Uh, I love the other two Ant-Man movies. I think they're really underappreciated and underrated in the MCU. And um, for some reason, this one just a uh, big swing and a miss for me. For many reasons, many of which we have verbalized. Yeah. Uh, all right, one more thing, guys, and then we're, we're, we're going to need to move on. But uh, if you okay. have one more thing you want to talk about it, we can certainly do that. Uh, Andrew, what's your uh, what's your one last thing? Two post credit scenes. That is true. One, uh, one is quickly, good. One is good. One, one is not. <laughs> interesting. I thought they were similarly. I the interesting. That's a very interesting thing you just said there. Can't wait to talk about it later. Yep. Uh, John, <laughs> John, do you have anything? Uh, anything else you wanted to say? Um, yeah, there is a scene where uh, there's a, there's a blob alien that kind of turns into Kirby and swallows an enemy, mm-hmm. uh, and it's kind of a funny little moment. And then another character who I don't even know if he has a name because we barely learn about him. He says, I didn't know he could do that. And the audience laughs, right? And I'm th- <laughs> sitting there going, 
did anyone know he could do that? Does it matter if, like, I didn't know he could do that either because we don't know anything about anyone. And it was, it, it was an effective joke, but it also really clearly lampshades the entire problem with this movie is I don't know the rules of this universe. Can, can, can everyone swallow people whole? I don't, maybe, yeah. I don't know. And it yeah. was just, it was such a good little microcosmic moment where he just says, I didn't know he could do that. I'm like, I, that's me the whole movie, buddy. I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm telling you there should be a YouTube channel that makes jokes about things that don't make sense in movies. And I should write for that channel because I would love to, uh, I would love to uh, write about how much nonsense is in this movie. There's so much nonsense much. that you just. That doesn't sound like it would work, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like it would work. Uh, my one final thing is uh, I'm going to need um, some time with whatever writer decided uh, the human male has seven holes uh, because I need to understand uh, how we came up with the number seven. Um, Wait. So. Do you think, do you two, think three, four, five, six, seven. Your eyes, your eyes count. That's two more. Those are holes. You you cry out of them. (laughs) Yep. And you and you sweat too. It's a weird question. I get where they were going, and it's a funny moment, but it's also like I think. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Seven. Um. Really quick. I know we already did our last thought. Does anyone have any thoughts on the recasting of Cassie Lang's character? No, she's horrible in this. She's horrible. In as many movies to do it. I don't think Kathy Newton. I, I, I don't think she's good in this. Uh, I disagree. I think she's fine. Um, I think she she holds her own really well. Um, she doesn't know how to emote scared or I'm, nervous. I'm all about recasting when you need to recast. doesn't bother me one bit. Okay, so, fair enough. Um, I don't really I, have strong opinions either way. It just struck me as like, oh, she's 25 in this? Because even without the blip, she should only be like 15 or 16 here. It's yeah. it's clear they're setting up Marvel babies or whatever yeah. they're going to call it. But, you yeah, know, Avengers like, Jr., yeah. Um, so yeah, we're getting a lot of those younger characters, and I get it. I get it from a marketing perspective for sure. Um, hope it works for them. Uh, all right, there you go. Some thoughts, varied as they are, in Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. We will do a sip spoil on this as well. That should show up in your feed. Let's move on and talk about you people. Oh goody! I'm sorry. This was insane. Let me make it up to you. You're dating a black girl? I've never felt so understood by somebody in my entire life. Whether you like it or not, we kind of go together now. You're my boo. Come on. I'm going to ask her to marry me. Do you plan to? About to our family? Yeah, I just haven't had the chance to meet them. What's going on? Tell me about life. How are you? This is your white granddaddy come back to haunt me. What? Now this is my fault? So you want to marry my daughter? Yes. Yes, I do. Well, Ezra, you could try. A new couple and their families reckoned with modern love amid culture clashes, societal expectations, and generational differences. Uh, you People is out on Netflix. Uh, this is Jonah Hill. Um, uh, I think writing uh, this. Yeah, he well, had a co-writer credit on this. Yeah, definitely had a co-writer uh, credit on this. I one. thought that was maybe because he just improvised a lot, but he could have actually put pen to paper. No, I think that I think that they wrote it uh, together. Uh, Lauren London, uh, Eddie Murphy, Julia Louis Dreyfus, David Duchovny, kind of uh, are the main couple and parents. Um, what did you guys think of this one? Did you like it, love it, dislike it, hate it, or it was just okay? John, kick us off. Uh, this was just okay. All right, Andrew. Well. I really like my life, and since this movie is based on my life, I guess I really like this movie. So, 
Yeah. Wow. I didn't know this. Um, no, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Uh, I'm I'm going to land on the low side of uh, okay. I think is where I'm going to land. Maybe 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 right down the middle. I have lots I I like about this movie and some things I really didn't. But um, but Andrew, uh, I think you've uh, teased a story really well. So please fill us in. How is how is this your life? Uh, this was a actually a section of my life for about uh, a year. Uh, I dated a girl. She was from Africa, and uh, her father was a devout Muslim. And since I was white and not Muslim, he did not like me <laughs> at all. Which begs the question: Why did he move to the Ozarks? I mean, you're kind of right. limiting your daughter's options, but um, that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, like the uh, the awkward. He wouldn't shake my hand. He wouldn't talk to me. Uh, it was it was very awkward. And then it yeah. So I'm watching this movie, and I'm watching how Jonah Hill and Eddie Murphy are uh, bantering back and forth, and just the awkward tension. Uh, Side side tangent, real quick. Jonah Hill is the only actor I can think of that does awkward tension right for me. Like, uh, mm. if if I were to think of a movie like a like uncomfortable tension, like a like a Borat film, you know, like where even though it's you know more realistic since it's happening mm. to people that aren't actors, there's still like an awkward. You know, it's it's a lot of people find that awkward moment funny. I don't. You're talking about I just, cringe humor. Yeah, cringe humor. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, it doesn't work for me. Like, I also just like, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. But for some reason, when Jonah Hill does it, it works for me. So maybe that's just my big in. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, real quick, did did the situations and the cringe and the awkwardness ring true to you? To your experience? That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Does does it did this feel authentic to you? Very much so. Right, Obviously, good. it's it's a it's a a West Coast culture kind of thing, as opposed to you know the Ozarks. But like the uh, the dynamics and everything rang true. That's great okay. on both sides. Yeah, I don't. My, my issues with this movie, um, and I suspect we all had some of the same. Was it that it it felt inauthentic? Um, yeah. Who 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 would like to kind of go second? I guess since Andrew already spoke. Uh, I mean, I can talk about some of the things uh, I like about this movie. Uh, one, I will just say. Eddie Murphy's career is is a really interesting interesting thing to kind of process and look into, and um, I I really like him taking this role. I I like him doing more things like this. Um, really, it, yes, because I think part of the issue I've had with uh, Eddie Murphy from like the movies when he started when he was just complete charisma and magnetism on the screen in just a mile a minute i just watched i, I a, just i just rewatched 48 hours this week and yeah that's 41 years old now that i just rewatched be. i just rewatched beverly hills cop <laughs> i just i just yeah, watched beverly hills cop 2 for the first time last week um and you know that's a different level of Eddie Murphy in that movie, by the way. He's yeah. like way over the top in Beverly Hills Cop 2. In 2, and yeah. It, and it still kind of works in that movie. But then it just kind of got to the place where I think he was fulfilling a certain type of role. And I like it when he steps into something like this where 
there's those pieces of his personality, but he's definitely playing uh, against type in some ways. Yeah, this um, is written for a Denzel or a uh, yeah or somebody I, I, like. That. It's interesting to hear you say that because I had um, the opposite uh, experience where the whole time I'm like, oh, this he feels wasted. It feels like he's not able to really shine and kind of get. Some of that, I, I don't need him to be off the wall. I don't need him to be live action donkey. Like I'm not expecting him to be loud and boisterous in every performance, but he felt so muted and reserved here. Uh, and unfortunately so, because I feel like that's his strength and they're kind of playing against it here. He wasn't bad, but I feel like this could have been anybody. Interesting. Murphy. I was looking at it and I was going, yeah, he's he's going against type, but does the character present an authentic authentic front? Is this a believable character? Yeah, and I is he so. serving the purpose? And I thought he was, yeah. Of the parents, he is the most believable to me. He is the most yeah. authentic. Uh, one of my major issue major issues with this movie is how inauthentic uh, everybody else feels uh, in this movie. All the parents. Um, I think Jonah. Well, there's only two parents that matter in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, David Duchovny's kind of a throwaway. He has two running jokes, and, that and was Neil it. Long is yeah. Is, and is Neil Long of, is it's really yeah. it's really about Eddie Murphy and Julia Louis Dreyfus, and the movie's. I mean, that's not that's not us extrapolating anything. The movie is very clear about that, even through how it ends. You know, like it's it's very clear that these are the two characters that are needing to learn something, um, right? And and growing, which also makes it interesting because they're not. Are they the protagonists then? Like, who's the protagonist of this movie? Is it? Is it, it shifts. It shifts. Yeah. That yeah. was weird. It, I think structurally this movie needed some help because uh, straight away we have the meet cute and then we have a montage where they fall in love. Then we have a time jump and it's like, oh, okay. The romance isn't really the central part of this film. No. That's, re- that's resolved in the first 30 minutes. It's the, the catalyst. Rest, the, the next 90 minutes of the movie is the fallout of what happens when these two cultures clash. The white Jewish culture uh, from Beverly Hills and and the black Muslims from Inglewood. When they clash, what happens? There are some interesting uh, you know, interactions and dichotomy there, but I feel like so much of it was, I, I don't know, inauthentic might be one word, it, the, the shifting protagonist, and some of the scenes with Julia felt like, this this doesn't feel, this feels like she's like she's Oh, I know, women. I know those women. I know those women. <laughs> I, I understand, but it, it definitely feels <laughs> elevated in a way that feels to me different than the central relationship. The uh, the Jonah Laura stuff um, feels feels much more authentic to me, much more grounded to me than some of the wacky stuff that's happening um, with the parents. And I think for me, the impact that has is when the movie tries to get like really serious at the end, like really emotional. At the end, I just couldn't quite get myself there um, because Ooh. I was like, up until now, I haven't bought these as, you know, real people um, other than, again, the central two characters. I think there was a so. couple good ideas and another good movie in this movie that they just didn't explore fully. There's uh, a, a sequence or a couple scenes where Eddie Murphy, as the future father-in-law, decides to tag along on Jonah Hill's Vegas bachelor party. And I thought this in of itself, would have been an interesting movie. Like, meet the parents, but on a Vegas bachelor trip. Meet the parents meet uh, meets The Hangover. Like, that would have been an interesting mm-hmm. film just on its own. But in this movie, it's like 12 minutes, and they don't really use it that effectively. I don't like that scene. It, it, it was, adds nothing to the movie. No, it, it was all filler, and it wasn't really funny or interesting, and it was telling us stuff we already kind of knew about these characters. And there were other scenes where the two families met over dinner. And I'm like, well, this is cribbing directly from, look, uh, guess who's coming to dinner? And that movie came out, what, you know, 55 years ago now, 1968. 
um, where like the two cultures come together over a meal and they're trying to work through their differences without being overtly racist. And there's some humor in that, but they only do that for 15 minutes in the movie. Then they move on to like the other, it felt like it kept shifting focus and shifting tones. One minute it's a romance, next minute it's a rom-com, then it's a drama, then it's like, I don't know, an after-school special about race relations and like why you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. And there's a lot of conflicting ideas here that Mm -hmm. individually I think kind of worked, but they just needed to pick a lane. I agree, and I think my major negative with this movie, and I apologize that I've so quickly moved on to my negatives, but um, (laughs) my major negative with this movie is I think it almost – it almost made a a much better point before it undid it, and there's there's a there's a wonderful metaphor from uh, Jonah Hill's podcast partner about race relations in the U.S. and how um, you know comparing it to uh, someone who's been cheated on, and it's like you know um, that was real. It, I, I loved that scene. That was I, great. I, I really loved it, and I thought the movie was going to go forward really with that idea and just go, you know, like it's, it's um, uh, the, the idea that sometimes you have to live in the discomfort because the discomfort is real. Like, um, and in the movie, but the, the movie, this is probably too spoilery apologies. This has been out for a little bit, but the movie kind of goes kittens and rainbows and unicorns guys. Like it's, it, it really kind of, I don't like the ending to this movie. That's what I'm saying. It makes a really interesting choice to just kind of turn every, all the work it's been doing on its head. I, I didn't. I didn't understand the. It almost. It, it felt like, and I don't think it was, but it because Netflix doesn't do this. But it, it felt like something that had been changed by an audience reaction. You know what I mean? Like they had done some sort of testing, and the audience mm. was like, "No, I want it to be all I okay. Want, I don't you want know? it to be real, even though the first ninety percent of this movie has been real." Um, yeah. Here's tang- tangentially. Here is where I think the ending of this movie fails in its messaging. Kind of like you were saying, is the entire. Uh, movie has been predicated upon this idea of that the parents need to stop meddling or try to stop, you know, uh, uh, in, uh, what is, what's the word? Uh, no, like, uh, putting yourself into something, uh, uh, in, introducing or injecting yourself, interjecting or interfering. That's good. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, in the relationship of others, you know, like don't interfere and, you know, don't try and, you know, just give us our space. And the ending of this movie is those two parents, <laughs> the <laughs> most insanely injecting yourself and interfering and meddling that, with that, the that relationship. Felt like if I was Jonah Hill or uh, what's her name? Laura you would be London, furious. I would be very uh, embarrassed and put on the spot. And it's like, this yes. is making me uncomfortable. You just, you just decided to get us back together without even discussing it with us. And yeah, that's that. That ending is like what? <laughs> okay, I guess so. Like you said, it, it felt kind of like an audience uh, uh, rewrite at the end there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. Well, I, one thing we haven't discussed, and I think it's not just an issue that plagues you people, but so many um, streamers, and I think a lot of even theatrical releases nowadays. This movie's thirty-five minutes too long. It just there's absolutely no reason this needs to be over two hours. It is. There's not but enough story to, hour to 55. support. 
It, it felt longer. <laughs> <laughs> it really did. Because it's just, there's, there's not enough meat on the bone to, to stretch this story out, especially when you wrap up the romance uh, stuff in the first 15, 20 minutes. And then it's just the parents. It's just that. Yeah. Uh, I feel the middle act of this movie just dragged for so long. And then we finally get some resolution at the end. A little bit of it felt like it was coming out of nowhere. It's like, oh, wow. Jonah Hill seems like he's laying everything out on the table here. This is a great impassioned speech. Where was this before? Why did we have no hint of this until now? That is my favorite scene in the movie. The uh, the two confrontations, you know. The, uh, yeah. That, yeah, that was my favorite part of the movie. And both were done. Like, they were both totally different issues, but they were both treated so well. Like, uh, the con- con- uh the confrontation with uh, Julie and uh, Eddie was just so good. I love how every dynamic of a relationship, uh, both those in it and the uh, the parents, the surrounding people, are on display in this movie. Like, you could have the angry, meddling uh, father. You could have the... Uh, the uh, muted racism of uh, the the mother character, you know, uh, and then you have the tangential friends like Mo, who has did it. <laughs> That's what that was probably the funniest line in the entire movie was her on the plane talking to Eddie Murphy. I'm Mo, and I have blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I it I just felt that everything was represented, maybe because. This is all just felt really personal and real. Sure, sure. <laughs> but uh, no, I thought that this movie was really well done. I, I, I will also say I laughed uh, at different places. There's stuff going on at uh, um, a service that Jonah Hill goes to, where there's several interactions that I laughed at. I thought was hilarious. I think this. Oh movie, yeah. I think this movie is fearless in some ways that other movies aren't with the things it says and the things it does. And I like that. I appreciate that. I think it's important to, I think humor is a nice way into really exploring uh, human behavior and human thoughts. And I think this movie understands that. Um, So I enjoyed some of that stuff. Um, I think we're safe to kind of do one last thing. If you guys have it, Um, John, you got anything else you want to say about uh, you people? Yeah, I think besides being inconsistent and unfocused, um, individual moments worked really well. There's a scene at the basketball court where uh, Jonah Hill sort of subverts the expectations of Eddie Murphy's character. And I loved that. It was such like, oh, okay, he has been misjudging him. And here's why that's not a good thing. You shouldn't judge people just based on X, Y, or Z. And I thought that was a really good scene that had the entire movie better carried that theme across the hundred and... Uh, uh, you know, 15 minutes, I would have really enjoyed it more. As it is, uh, yeah, this would this would get maybe a very soft recommendation for me. It's on Netflix, so I mean, you got nothing else going on. Andrew, one last thing. Besides no post credit scene, I would say, and I think Aaron, you said this earlier, but I'll reiterate: live in the uncomfortable, because that will lead you to a better understanding of a different perspective. Live in those uncomfortable moments in this movie. Try and learn from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a. Uh, I'm glad that there's a movie like this out there. My uh, my one last thing uh, is I I'm just waiting for movies and television to understand how podcasts work. Uh, just just waiting <laughs> for 
For them to understand, well, you don't just sit across from each other, thirty feet from your microphone, and oh, have that, a quiet that, conversation. That bugged me so much. I, I, I immediately elbowed my wife, and I'm like, that, "That's a condenser mic, and he's like six feet away from it. What are they doing?" <laughs> you also, be right those mics up. are way too close to each. You're going to get so much crosstalk. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, and there was no uh, uh, air buffer, like the anything like that. And why do you mm-hmm. need that giant echoey space? for yeah. a podcast and i love how it's just like at the end they're just like apparently have been bought by spotify or something and have like a full like you know yeah. uh yeah that's that's oh, awesome that, that, no, really, really quick, quick for them because we've already wrapped up and i i do this a lot the entire sequence with jonah hill's boss uh i think uh, matt walsh i think is the actor's yeah. name there's some funny moments there but you can cut out that entire plot he can just start the movie full-time podcaster and it's the same film and mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing where there's just like extra fluff in this that doesn't contribute, doesn't add anything, and uh, that's that's a problem that a lot of movies are having these days. That's I how would I feel rather, about the Vegas scene. I would have rather listened to Mo talk about race relations for ninety minutes uh, at some point. Like that was that yeah. was really uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, before we head on to our best ever challenge, just a reminder that you can be a Sif Pop member. As mentioned earlier in the show, Andrew is doing the pre-show for members. If that's something you'd be interested in, really at the end of the day, it's kind of a thank you for just supporting, for saying this is something you enjoy enough to throw a couple bucks uh, every month this way and make sure we can keep doing this. Keeps the website going at SifPop.com, keeps this podcast going. Uh, we really do appreciate it. If you want to check it out, go to patreon.com slash sifpop. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, let's do... Uh, let's go ahead and do... Best uh, ever challenge the best ever of hyphenated best, titles. Best ever hyphenated movies. Uh, John, kick us off. We'll go from number five to number one. And, of course, if somebody has it higher, you can... Trump! You can trump it. So, uh, John, kick it. us off. What's your number five? Uh, quick preamble. This is actually a, a shorter list than I would have expected. There's not that many hyphenated movies. And the ones that are, are all within the same two or three series. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. my, my number five, uh, Star Wars Episode Three. Uh, hyphen Revenge of the Sith. Uh, this is, I think, for my money, definitely uh, the best of the prequel trilogy. When it finally, you know, gets us back on Tatooine with the twin sunsets, and it kind of wraps up and connects the circle to the original movie from '77. When I saw that in theaters as a, I think I was still a teenager at the time. Uh, that's one of those like, oh my gosh, this that was a, that was a big moment for me. I, I loved that movie when it first came out. And I think it's it's aged pretty well. It's heavy on the CGI and all the George Lucas problems, but uh, definitely the strongest of the prequels and uh, in the hyphenated category, it, good enough for top five. <laughs> Andrew, what's your number five? I'm going to go with X2, X-Men United. Mm, good, good, choice. good choice. It is my favorite of all the X-Men movies. The opening scene with Nightcrawler is one of oh the best. Oh my gosh, the opening, that, that White House scene is so good. Yeah, it is. It's so, so good. good. It's so good. It is so I'm going to watch it right now. I don't. I don't know the the uh, the veracity of these comments, but I have heard that the interpretation or the depiction of Secret Service in that sequence is as close to how they would really react to any sort of intruder in real life. Uh, really that's interesting to me. Just the, the response time and the way they lock down certain mm. areas and quarters. It's apparently a, a, a more accurate depiction than how they're often portrayed in media. Nice. Interesting. I have yeah. an X-Men movie at number five as well, but I went with Days of Future Past. That's a good mm. one. That's that a, is good a very good one. Um, I, I, it's, I've been thinking about Days of Future Past recently with all the multiversal stuff going on. They did really well. Because it was well. really one of the first movies that kind of fan serviced in that way, and I think it did a really good job at it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I, I really, really dig that movie. It's my number three behind Logan, so... Yeah, Days of Future Past is of, so, so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think uh, John, that that's, that's probably mm-hmm. my favorite X-Men movie, and I think it probably would have made my honorable mentions here. Um, my number four uh, movie you might have heard of, um, also 41 years old, hard to believe, E.T., The Extraterrestrial. There is a hyphen yeah. in there in between. Oh, Extraterrestrial. Extraterrestrial. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. yep. Oh, E.T. man, that's The Extraterrestrial. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this is brilliant. I mean, this, this is Spielberg at his finest. That yeah. combination of like whimsy and discovery and like childhood backyard adventures. It kind of feels like a bit like Stand By Me meets Stranger Things meets, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I, I can't wait to show this to my kids when they're a couple years older. Um, Spielberg knows how to do it. He has for 50 years now. Yep. Uh, Andrew, what is your number four? <laughs> it's a... Uh- <laughs> Beavis and Butthead do America. I want. I, I have a Beavis and Butthead in there. <laughs> this is. There's a hyphen between butt and head. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, okay. 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 Yeah. 
I will argue with film. people all day long that Beavis and Butthead is one of the funniest movies ever made. I it's, only first watched it like a couple months because I think we reviewed the sequel on the on the podcast. Uh, the had, uh, Beavis and Butthead do the universe. Yeah. yeah, and I had never seen the original until just last summer, and it's no, it's great. Oh man, it, yeah, I got a kick out of it every single time. Uh, feel better, like it stars, you know. Uh, Demi Moore and Bruce Willis. It's sort of sad. It's kind of sad to see what's going on with Bruce Willis right now. But uh, yeah, I was just diagnosed with frontal lobe dementia. Yeah, um, she's so not yeah, one of the better <laughs> diagnoses. No, well, no. he he retired from acting a year or two ago because he said he uh, couldn't read aphasia. Uh, aphasia. He couldn't read yeah. anymore. So, so this is kind of an expansion on what's really going on. <sighs> so yeah. sad. Yeah, but uh, no, this movie is hilarious, and uh, yeah. Go yeah. and watch it if you have I, I think crude humor, when executed correctly, can be very, very effective. And, and this, this movie is just, yeah. <laughs> it's gross. It's offensive. But it's clever at the, at the same time, which I think is important. Mike Judge is so smart. Oh, it's yes. just about I think Mike that's, Judge. that's the key. That's, it, it, it is cl- it's smart and offensive. And that, those, that combination is like a peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah, it just goes well. It's like well South Park, again. right? Like it's, you know, yeah. it's clear, you know, that there's a lot going on under the hood. Um, my number four is Ben Hur, uh, the OG. Ooh, oh man! Wait, wait, which OG? <laughs> which which OG? Because there's been three or four. Of them. Heston. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my yeah. pick too. Okay. Wait, there's other ones besides the Heston. There was a one? silent film from '25 that is also yeah. very good. Oh, that's, I've only seen the Heston that's, one. That's the one where where horses actually died while filming. The yeah. '25 one. 20, yeah. Because wow. they just they, there's there's no way to fake it. They just did it for real, and some horses died, and they kept it in the movie because you're not going to throw that film out. That cost a couple horses. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. The, 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 the silent. Yeah, well, it's not not wrong. Uh, uh, so that was so three for me. All right, so on to number threes. Uh, John, what's your number three? Uh, Spider Man Two. Oh, okay. Nobody. Nobody? Nope. I don't have that okay. Spider-Man movie on my list. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't have that Spider-Man movie either. All right, fair enough. Uh, this, this for my money, is uh, one of the crown jewels of the entire comic book genre. I think up against The Dark Knight and Endgame, probably a top three comic book movie all time for me. Uh, yeah. Sam Raimi, Tommy McGuire, all cylinders. This is, I think, the epitome of how to do a good sequel. Not even a, a, a fantastic sequel. It ups the stakes. It ups the tension. It puts our hero up against the wall and has him fight you know, a really good villain uh, throughout the whole thing. And that, the stuff with the runaway train on the elevated, yeah. it's one of the, one of the best scenes in any superhero movie. It's Very good. phenomenal film. Yeah. Yep. Andrew, you're number three. Uh, different Spider-Man movie, No Way Home. Yeah, that was oh, really good, too. That was really very good. Very nice. Yeah. I mean, speaking of Tommy McGuire and Andrew Garfield, I mean- <laughs> What? And Doc Ock. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, uh-huh. and Doc Ock, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it was one of those movie-going experiences I'll never forget, you know? Like, they, I mean, yes, they, everybody, quote-unquote, knew that Toby and uh, Andrew were going to be in the movie, but we were still unsure. So, until the very moment we saw Andrew Garfield walk through that portal and it became real for you, that's, that's movie magic, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yeah, that that was up there with uh, with Captain catching the hammer. Like my my theater lost oh. it. They were literally like shooting off confetti. It was just like yes. <laughs> it was um, yeah. No Way Home is probably my second favorite Spider Man movie. Really, really good. 
But it yeah, is no, good. but no, no qualms at all for Spider-Man Two. I mean, that yeah, like you said, one. the train sequence is iconic. Aaron, uh, my number three is Curse of the Were Rabbit. Um, I have to see these Wall and one of those Gromit movies. And Gromit films, right? I've never I seen a single seen one. one, and it's a really good one. Uh, Curse of the Were Rabbit's really good. Um, so yeah, I recommend to check it out. Uh, if you are a Wallace and Gromit fan, you've probably seen it. Uh, if you aren't, I would put it towards the top of your like Wallace and Gromit catch-up list. Uh, I wouldn't put it above like the the shorter ones, like A Close Shave uh, is a really, really good one. Um, Wrong Trousers is probably the best one. Um, but yeah, there's there's lots of great Wallace and Gromit content out there, and it's it's is well it your time. is it a canonical order sort of thing, or can I just watch any? Oh, you can just watch any. Okay. I didn't know yeah, if like... I don't think there's anything that plays off of... I could <laughs> no. be wrong. I don't know. Well, so no, I just had here's to what I'll say. There are some in, there are some callback jokes that, that maybe work better in order because, like, you know, uh, sometimes they'll do a similar thing to something that's been done before. A reference. It's, it, yeah. it's kind of a winky reference a little bit. But um, for the most part, no. I don't think there's going to be anything to worry about. Okay. Um, all right, on to the number twos. John, Paula, what do you got? Uh, this is where I have the 1959 version of Ben-Hur, um, Charlton Heston's version. Four hours long, uh, shot in, I think, CinemaScope. This movie's like the widest anamorphic you can get. And mm -hmm. if you were to look up the word epic in a cinematic dictionary, this movie would be front and center. There, there is not a movie I've ever watched where I felt more impressed by the size and the scope and the scale of what they were doing, both narratively, because the movie takes place over like 30, 40 years. And then the individual vistas of some of these shots are like entire kingdoms in a single frame. And then the chariot race, of course, at the end, that climactic thing is just un unreal to watch. And how they did it and how they were able to make it look uh, so real and so accomplished. Um, I, I love those old like Swords and Shields epics. And I think Ben-Hur is absolutely the, the top of that pile. Yeah, you had it at uh, number two. I had it at number four. Um, I saw it for the first time uh, in 2020, uh, stuck at home. As, I remember, I remember you telling me about somewhere. that, actually. And uh, and just was really, really impressed. It is, it is like you said, the definition of epic. Uh, the epitome of epic. The ecopibinomy, uh, if you will. <laughs> uh, Do you have any, it, really quick, not to sidetrack, have you seen the 2018 version? And did you I like have that? Have Toby Kebbell, like right? Yeah, yeah. I don't remember loving it. I don't remember hating it either. So it probably fell somewhere in between. Fair mm. enough. I thought it was pretty uh, good. I think the story just works no matter who's in it. I think it's just a, a really yes, good story. Yes, it is a great story. It is a great story. Andrew, what's your number two? A uh, foreign language film from Norway called Kontiki, which is mm. actually a, uh, I guess, I don't know what you would call it, a remake of a documentary. This is a movie version of like this documentary that took place. Mm -hmm. Um, a uh, long time ago, a guy named Thor here to sell, uh, there was this big question of how these, uh, Polynesian people got from one like island chain to another. And, uh, this guy theorized, well, they probably just got a whole bunch of balsa wood rafts and, uh, they just sailed in. Everybody in like the uh, archaeological community is like balsa wood won't last that long on the ocean salt water and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, I, I guarantee you it would. And like, no, it wouldn't. So he built a balsa wood raft and he actually went the 4,300 mile crossing. Oh <laughs> and uh, it was I him. I love when people do that. When it's like, you know what? Hold my beer. Watch this. 
Yeah, it I was him, that. three other guys, and one of them was a documentarian. And uh, these, they're like Norwegian, so they're like giant Viking people. Right. They would, there's actually like footage of them jumping into the water to like wrestle great whites and like loop around their tails with ropes and drag them onto the raft to eat these great white sharks. It's the most metal thing I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> That's bull fantastic. riding a great white shark and then lassoing it and then looking at the judge for time and then you throw your cowboy hat in the air. It's amazing. So I, uh, I was looking it up as you were describing it. So there was a documentary in 1950 that won the Oscar yes. for best documentary. And then 62 years later in 2012 was the dramatized uh, version yes. of it from, uh, from Norway. Yes. That's great. Cool. Put that mm-hmm. on my watch list. That sounds interesting. And I think the I think the the film, like the actual movie version, was nominated for best foreign language film, but I don't think it won that year. So. Uh, all right, my number two is the other Spider-Man movie that we should probably mention. Uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is uh, my number. Also, two. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have so, no problems with any of the Spider-Man <laughs> movies <laughs> mentioned today. I'm glad we all got at least one. Because when I said Spider-Man, I'm like, I can't be the only one that picked Spider-Man, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> no, you are not the only one. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting because I always feel like I don't like this movie as much as some people, but I really, really like this movie. It is pretty high up my all-time list. Um, it's, uh, it's just such a great characterization of, uh, the Miles Morales character, um, a really, really compelling, uh, character that I just care about immediately and, and, uh, want to, uh, go along the adventure with, and it's quite an adventure. So yeah, I really, and then, and then visually, I think it's one of the most inventive and imagine I actually movies. don't like a lot of the visual choices. Really? But yeah. Is yeah. it the but, second lining shading to give it that three it's the comic false three D effect? Yeah, the false three D thing I think doesn't work. And it's also it's also the frame rate thing. It's a reduced frame rate oh. at times. Yeah, and, right. To give it that and, like yeah, animating. But, but you know why? Like the the frame rate thing on Miles at the beginning of the movie is I think ten FPS. Yeah, he's and he's it's not lower. until the end of the movie that he actually catches up, and it's because his spider sense is actually building, so they actually increase his frame rate, which is which, which is I think a very is cool detail, smart, cool thing that they did. It is, that is really smart, and has completely changed my mind on the subject. Uh, <laughs> oh, you didn't know that? <laughs> I know, I'd never heard that before. That's really cool. Yeah, um, oh, yeah, right, yeah, actually. Yeah. On to our uh, number ones, John. What do you got? Uh, I, I hope I'm not the only one, but it, it is weird that no one else has mentioned Mission colon Impossible dash Fallout. Um, Wait, what? Mission There's Impossible There's no dash and fallout? Yeah, Mission Impossible fallout. <laughs> There's a hyphen after impossible. Holy it actually crap. Might be an, it, might, it might actually be an M dash or an N dash, not no, a hyphen. No, you are 100% right. Well, um, <laughs> this is the greatest action movie of the last decade. Full stop. Tom Cruise is, is, is God amongst men. The helicopter chase at the end of Mission Impossible fallout is just top shelf stuff. Yeah, it's my number two now. This. Okay, it's my Absolutely number two. Yeah, I just didn't. I just didn't know there was dash in there. It didn't. I think it didn't I, come I, up again, technically, searches. I think it's an n dash, which is a longer version of a hyphen, not a hyphen. But mm-hmm. uh, it counts. Split, Absolutely counts. Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't tell uh, the difference. Son of a ruler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for, for what it's, I think we all love Mission Impossible Fallout. That is the. I think some people might actually like four or five better. Is is the consensus mm-hmm. amongst this group that six is the best one or no? 
Oh, Fallout is for sure. Yeah, everything you okay. just said, John, and more, yeah. uh, okay. I totally agree with. <laughs> I think I have the original higher. I could really? be wrong. Yeah, there's something really special about the first one. Uh, right. like they're, they're, I, with the exception of two, which I still think is pretty good. They're all excellent. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is my my favorite action movie of the last 10 years. Um, it's up there with Mad Max, John Wick, and a couple others. Um, yeah, my favorite hyphen movie. Nice. It's going back to the got? first Mission Impossible. It's crazy how the the stunts that Tom Cruise <laughs> has done over the years have elevated. Mm-hmm. Yet, whenever I think, whenever somebody asks me what is the Mission Impossible stunt you remember the most, it's in that first movie when he's hanging. Mm-hmm. That yeah, is right. the number one uh, yeah, yeah, action yeah. scene. So, what do you yeah, have? That, number one, Andrew. That that movie owned me from the theme remake. Uh, on like it was just like stuff. such a good thing. Like I played the snot out of that CD. Dun, dun, uh, dun, yeah, dun, was, dun, yeah. yeah, the U two guys did that. Adam Clayton and uh, and Bono did the the remix of that. I didn't know that. Not yeah. the first one. I don't think they did the first. Maybe one, that was they? maybe that was Mission Impossible two. Yeah, I could it be. Matter. Could be it's one great. of them. It's great. It's great. What's your number one? Empire. So, Empire Strikes yeah. Back. Yeah, Empire mm. Strikes Back. So, Does Aaron, what's your number one? Life in it. Yeah, I didn't know. Oh no, I don't think it does, I and that's why I does. excluded it. I think it's no, just it does called. not have a hyphen. Yeah. Star Wars Empire. the the official title am, is just Star Wars colon Empire Strikes Back. Or I am Empire looking on IMDb right now, and you, I don't know if I can. Oh, they include the episode five in there. Yeah, that's not the original title. I don't go by that nonsense. <laughs> I'll, I'll allow it. I'll allow it because IMDb. If IMDb be, says it will allow it, I well, don't think. Who gets to I decide that? Like, where would you I, go I to find by, the official, official title of a movie? I've always used Letterbox as my official, like, is it a colon? I've is always it a used IMDb because yeah. it's the internet's movie database. So, uh, yeah, regardless, good, if you want to count it, fine. If not, move Fallout in its place. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. fine. Empire yeah. Stone. So, Aaron, so what is your number one? I love the fact, even though it was a mistake, uh, I love the fact that we all have number ones that nobody else had on their list. <laughs> it is such a weird... And I thought for I'm like, how do we not have a consensus on this? There's not a lot of movies that have hyphens. Uh, guys, I really love Wreck-It Ralph. I think Wreck-It Ralph That's is... That's a good pick. That's a good pick, too. One of one of uh, the best animated movies ever made. Um, it's so much fun. It's... It handles uh, content IP in such a fun, interesting way. Uh, it was really one of the first movies uh, to do it in that way. And uh, I just have so much fun with that movie. Great voice performances. Great central duo. Uh, those two hanging out in the game worlds and trying to figure stuff out. I think Sarah Silverman uh, voices... Uh, Vanellope. The, uh, v- yeah, Vanellope character. It's just so much fun. It's just such a fun movie. I love Wreck-It Ralph. So that's that's my number that is, one. That is a great pick. That would probably be my sixth or seventh on my list. That is... Uh, uh, yeah, rewatching it with my daughter not long ago was so much fun. Because she's not old enough to have played any video games. But she's like, oh, that's Bowser. And I was like, yes, yes, it is. I've, I've raised almost, you well. I almost trolled you guys and told you my number one was uh, The Incredibles. Because, <laughs> because it has a dash in it. Uh, ah, but, uh, <laughs> hey. but that was hey, not I the still, category. I still, ha- I still have my uh, veto for the year. Don't forget. So. <laughs> the category was hyphenated movies, not movies with a dash in it. Uh, yeah. so it that was a good. That was a good roundup. I, did we have any over? Well, he had one Ben Hur. That was it. 
15 yep. picks and only one which Ben Hur was my very first honorable mention so uh any other honorable mentions Andrew yeah, uh, Punch Drunk Love. Yep. Uh, even a bad PTA movie is a good movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, last week we were talking about Aronofsky, and I think that uh, Aaron, you said that Aronofsky was an artist. Artist. I think mm-hmm. that PTA falls in that category as sure. well. He just yeah, makes okay. visually and narratively unique, striking movies. Yep. And that's the uh, uh, rest of my. Uh, Did honorable you have any honorable mentions, John? Um. No, I don't think so. I think all the ones that I had or were considering, um, well, one here that I think we haven't mentioned, uh, John Wick Chapter 3 hyphen Parabellum. Yeah. Uh, it's probably my third favorite of the John Wick films, but it's still very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I would put that in there for sure. The only other two I will mention, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Uh, I have a soft spot in my heart Oh, for... is there a dash between P and Wee? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> At least there was when I checked. Who knows? I just, I just did uh, a text. I just did a like search for hyphen, and then I just pulled up every movie that has one. Yeah. The other was the uh, Liam Neeson uh, plane movie, Nonstop. Uh, I enjoyed that movie so <laughs> bad. I <laughs> it's bad. pretty. I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good too. I would uh, never Harry watch Potter that movie and the Half Blood Prince is also a, a one to maybe throw yeah. in the top ten. Yep. One of the better. Uh, all points. right, let's finish off with some buried treasure, guys. What's that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Uh, John, you're our guest, so you go last. Um, I will kick us off. Uh, I'm watching Shrinking on Apple TV Plus. This is the uh, show with uh, Harrison Ford and um, Jason Se- Jason Siegel. 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 I always want to say Seagal. Nope, uh, Jason Siegel. Uh, so. How is it- it's good. I don't think it's great, but it is really it is really fun and I think Jason Siegel makes it. I think he's the one that's having the most fun here. Uh is the most interesting, which is good. He's kind of the central character. Um so I don't think it's Ted Lasso good, but it's but it's a lot of fun. Uh so if you want to check that out on Apple TV Plus, that is shrinking. Uh what do you got, Andrew? Oh, you know me. Whenever we're talking about a Marvel movie, the first thing I have to do is uh, talk about a DC franchise. So mm-hmm. <laughs> It's like equal time that we give politicians for some reason. Exactly. <laughs> right. uh, I'm going to recommend a graphic novel series called Batman Year 100. Everybody Ooh. knows Batman Year 1. Batman Year 100 is 100 years in the future after Gotham and the Batman have like parted so this, ways. So this is Beyond Batman Beyond? Yeah. Whoa. Uh it's it's an else world, really. So okay. but like the the Batman Beyond thing never happened. So now there's this uh caped vigilante going around uh trying to solve a case. And what I love about this graphic novel is it's an easy one and done. They introduce uh this new mysterious character and he's right in an investigation. It doesn't do any world building around him. It's because like it's Gotham. We, we, we know what's going to be happening. Uh, no Joker, no supervillains, anything like that are making a, like a return. It's like the, the reference, like, yeah, we remember when this all happened in the past. Um, and what this new guy does differently is he's more about psychological terror as opposed to like a, uh, gadgets and stuff. Like he puts in like fake, like fang teeth to scare people and, uh, it's it's a really unique, fun, interesting way to uh, do the Batman character. So definitely check it out. 
I love I love the idea of like alternate futures and and projecting you know where certain characters will be in the far off yeah. future. That's um, that sounds like a really cool story. Yeah, right on, John. What do you got? Uh, speaking of alternate uh, futures, um, my buried treasure is one I, I feel like you maybe have spoken about on the show, Aaron. Um, For all mankind, it's a TV show on Apple TV Plus. Uh, it premiered uh, three years ago in 2019. It is an alternate version of American history uh, in regards to the space race. And the very first episode is like, what if the Soviets landed on the moon before Neil Armstrong? And then if what is that is our diverging point from our history, what happens next? If the space race continued into the 70s and 80s and we didn't just give up and we kept going back to the moon, what if we built a moon base? What if we decided to try to go to Mars before 2030, and we tried it in 1990. Um, it's actually, that's that's a really interesting backdrop, like an alternate history of NASA, and what if we actually stayed in it and gave it a budget. But the movie primarily is an ensemble drama with like the astronaut wives and the men and all their interpersonal relations and their drama and their own personal demons and issues and, against the backdrop of like a slightly more advanced 1970s America. And there's some really cool stuff going on here. I love the science. I love the competency porn aspects of it. And then just these individual characters and like seeing how they navigate this version of America is super interesting. So the writing's really strong and they're, uh, they're good, uh, quick uh, seasons. I think they're like eight or nine episodes each. I'm already halfway through season two. It's been a good binge this month. Nice. Uh, I don't think I talked about that because I only watched like the first episode and and didn't find it compelling enough to go back to. Oh, that's too bad. Since since then, I have heard it gets really really good, and it is on my list of TV shows uh, to go back to. So um, so I yeah, I've been really enjoying it. They're they're doing some things that are really interesting, and then I'm also just finding myself invested in all of the characters. Even when yeah. it's just like sort of a, an earthbound episode, it's like I actually just kind of want to find out what happens to this guy this episode. And very nice. I appreciate that. Apple's loving their interstellar type shows now. They got this, mm-hmm. they have the foundation. Yeah, they have some good. They, I feel like Apple TV is very quietly crushing uh, uh, narrative <laughs> media. Yeah, yeah they, like, I mean, didn't, uh, didn't Apple TV, didn't they do Coda last year, the best picture winner? Wasn't that theirs? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like the. Yeah. Netflix doesn't have an Oscar. Uh, not a Best Picture one, anyway. <laughs> nope. Apple TV sure does, does, though. Yep, sure does. That's something. Uh, that is For All Mankind on Apple TV+. Plus. Batman Year 100 is a graphic novel, and Shrinking also on Apple TV+. Plus. Speaking of them. Well, we did it, guys! We Woo! managed to do a podcast. Congratulations. Yeah, we, uh, we, imag- we We managed to embiggen this podcast. That's an Ant-Man joke. Hey, Ant-Man joke. Very nicely done. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today for Stiff Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. Thanks to John Paula for coming and hanging out. John, where do you Woo! want to send people to check out your stuff? Um, as always, taking a very long break from YouTube. So you can find me at letterboxd.com forward slash John Paula, J O N. P-A-U-L-A. I try to review something every week, and this week I wrote 600 words why Ant-Man is the worst film in the MCU. So, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. 
And, and I also reviewed the other two Ant-Man, if you want to go back and see how I thought about the rest of the trilogy. <laughs> all the Ant-Mans. All yeah, of yeah, them. yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, much love and gratitude to our Sif Pop members as well for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month, and you can check out all the information at patreon.com slash Pop. Lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. You can also email us feedback at sifpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier and remembering the lyrics to that one song, Midnight in Paris. Uh, we will be back next week with Cocaine Bear and more. Yes. So, we'll see you then. Have fun best, with that. best friends in Paris? Yeah, something like that. I don't remember what it is. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.